0: Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC.
1: Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins is brought to you by James H. Brown and Associates, Alberta injury lawyers, the heavy hitters of injury law.
0: All right, Winnipeg home to Hamilton in the CFL tonight. That one is about to begin. Also tip-off looming in Miami. Heat home to the Nuggets. Game four of the NBA Finals. Denver up 2-1 in that series. The Blue Jays trailing the Twins now. 2-1 after five. Canadian Open, Carl Yuan has the lead. He's nine under par. Four guys are one back, including Canadian Corey Connors. And Edmonton's Will Bateman shot a 66 today. He's four under for the tournament. He's tied for 23rd going to the weekend. Good stuff there for Will Bateman. So I had the question. I listed off the 10 players some of them scored a couple of goals but the the 10 overtime winning goals scored by the Montreal Canadians on the way to the Stanley Cup in 1993 this is we've been talking about this being 30 years well today's the exact day june 9th 1993 canadians won the stanley cup they won 10 overtime games in the playoffs that is an nhl record that could still be tied by the florida panthers if the panthers won this series against the golden knights and their remaining three wins prospective wins potential wins all came in overtime they would get to 10 the panthers are at seven overtime wins so, uh, one of four teams to get to seven. The Ducks did it in '03. They did not win the Cup. The Hurricanes did it in '02. They did not win the Cup. Tampa Bay did it in 2020. They did win the Cup. So, uh, seven... For each of those teams, Montreal's record is 10. The Islanders had the record before the Canadians. They won six overtime games in uh, 1980. Montreal, that had that uh, incredible run to the cup a couple of years ago, they had six in 2021. Vancouver had six in 1994. They lost the final. Uh, The Dallas Stars lost the final in 2020. They had six. The most the Oilers have had in a year was uh, 90-91. They had four. And uh, obviously, that was not a Stanley Cup year for your Edmonton Oilers. But that Montreal record—hard to fathom, going to be hard to beat. <laughs> I mean, first of all, even going to the going to overtime 11 times in 20 games—you have to go to overtime a lot—and then they, they just uh, they just kept winning. As, as Dave Campbell joins us tonight on Inside Sources, I, I know you and I remember that that playoff run uh, well, Dave. We were we were much. Uh, younger men and, and that's t- so many things first of all we still talk about it last canadian team to win all the yep. o- all the overtime games that montreal kept winning and then it, this is to me this is one of the quirkiest little stats out of that year and i bring this up periodically in the 1993 playoffs the montreal canadians played 20 games they won the stanley cup the toronto maple leafs played 21 games didn't make the final they had three seven game series and yeah. they lost to uh the kings in seven in the campbell conference final as we called it at the time
1: well you, you remember in that run before that 10 game or that 10 overtime w- uh, winning streak happened they lost an overtime game yes i believe they
0: lost game very first one game, game. too yeah very first yeah. game against the North right. They they had a two they goal lead late and they blew it and lost in overtime yeah and if I
1: remember correctly, I believe they beat the Buffalo Sabres. They swept them, but they beat them in overtime. I think it was, was it Gilbert Dion or was it uh, Kirk Muller yes. that scored in overtime?
0: Uh, they and both did. D- Dion scored in game three, Muller scored in game four. And did not Stefan LeBeau. Uh, and the Islanders? No, uh, no. He scored. He scored. Thought- he did not. He did not end the series, but he scored against the Islanders. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you got a pretty good right. memory. Pretty good memory. Well, do you remember? Here's a fun fact. Do you remember who Buffalo's okay. goalie was? Was it Hashik? I'll give you a hint. He played for the Oilers. Oh. Grand Yes, Grand was Buffalo's goalie that year. Like, just crazy. That's just the, the, me swing, swinging until I.
1: Yeah. That's me swinging until I tear my rotator cuff. But you know, <laughs> I got it on the first try, so that's
0: good. Yeah, Grand no, was a, was a Buffalo Saber. Uh, 92. Uh, th- I, that's gotta be the most. Like, I, I feel like. If you, told, if you ask people, name off all the teams that Grant Fewer played for, I feel like they would remem- They would not remember Buffalo, even though he was there for a couple of years. I mean, he was only with the Kings for 14 games, but he was there when all those former Oilers were there in 94, 95, and then he was briefly aflame, but most people remember, oh, yeah, he played for the Blames. For the Blues, he played pretty much every game. <laughs> <laughs> as a goalie for a couple of <laughs> years. But yes, Grant Fuhrer was a, a Buffalo Sabre. I feel that might be a bit of a forgotten tenure in his career.
1: Now, I believe he was part of the trade uh, that brought Dave Andrichuk to Toronto when they went on that epic run that, like you say, they, they played 21 games and didn't even make the final. Is that correct?
0: February 2nd, 1993, th- traded from Toronto to Buffalo for, well, th- yeah, good memory, Dave. Dave Andrichuk. A first-round pick in '93 that turned into Kenny Johnson, and here's another blast from the past: name Darren Pupa. Oh,
1: yes, yes. Who went on to be a Tampa Bay Lightning later in his career? Okay, listen, this is this is fun. This is fun, and it's amazing I can remember this. But we have to find uh, a way to erase this so my wife doesn't find it and say, "You can remember that, but you can't remember when I say take the garbage out."
0: Well, then you what can, is with you now you can get that app on your phone when it's garbage day that's what i have oh that oh yeah get the funny. what's it called uh let me find it. i'm serious there's an app and it'll tell you the night before like hey tomorrow is either garbage food scraps recycling or whatever combination um waste get the waste wise app i'm serious and you put in your address and it tells you when you got to take your stuff out
1: I appreciate your advice. <laughs> yeah, like, well, I'm learning I, so much I, in this short time.
0: Here. <laughs> like, I, well, I, as we say, this show, uh, entertainment and uh, and education. So hopefully <laughs> I've done both for you already, Dave. Uh, by the way, Bo Levi's tenure as a Hamilton Tiger Cat has begun. He's leading them down the field already. Uh, they're at the Winnipeg 24, two minutes into the... They put up Bo Levi's record. But it flashed off quick. He's something like 95 and 20 as a starter. Like, you just forget yep. that, how seldom this guy loses. But Calgary decided it was time to move on.
1: And, you know, if you look at the performance of Jake Mayer last night in that loss of the BC Lions, and the Lions looked really good. Vernon Adams looks like he's really comfortable instead of, you know, compared to going in mid-season and replacing Nathan Rourke. But they chose Jake Mayer in a game against the Argos in Toronto when Bo Levi Mitchell was having trouble moving the ball, and this wasn't just one game—I mean, it, this was there was kind of a buildup to this—but 95 and 20, like that's that's just an amazing record. And and it it is kind of interesting that the that the Stampeders moved on so quickly from Bo, and went to Jake Mayer. Now Mayer's been there for you know a little while, but you know it was almost it's almost detrimental to Jake Mayer's career that he started off so hot in 2021 when he's the uh, he's going to go down in history as the first cfl quarterback to throw for to throw for uh three straight games of 300 yards he had 300 yard passing games in his first three starts so um he's really struggled to find that number since so yeah uh, that's interesting bo is still a legend
0: yeah i i know uh not popular With this uh, fan base. Certainly, a couple appearances he had on this show had some uh, (laughs) memorable moments as he was not uh, afraid. Bo loves Bo. Uh, He was not afraid to let our listeners know how good Bo thinks Bo is. Uh, But hey, you got to be confident, I guess, to play pro football. So, anyway, uh, Hamilton kicks (laughs) a field goal. (laughs) It's 3 0 early. All right, so uh, I played played some kind of a little bit of concerning audio in the first half hour of the show. Chris Jones didn't like practice today. Oh, by the way, there's a game in two days. What's what's going on? <laughs> you know, the funny thing
1: is, Reed, is, you know, I'll be up in the booth watching practice, and there'll be times where I think the practice isn't going well, and I'll ask Chris Jones. Um, usually that's one of my first questions, right, It's how to go today. And he'll go, oh, it went great, you know, um, pretty happy with this, this, that, and the other thing. So I'm watching practice today, and I'm going, oh, well, you know, I'd don't think it's going that bad i did notice there was a little uh, the 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 the, uh, cloth the uh, flags were kind of flying a little bit so i wondered how chris would think about that and uh clearly he wasn't very happy so i talked to him after and he said you know i could see this coming you know whether it's you know, our schedule at camp was strange because they had played two games in six days so quickly, and they had the third week off. And they've seen each other a lot. I mean, they basically have practiced against each other for nine straight practices, so that's a long time. But you know, I mean, there was a lift when you know, okay, here's an here's an opponent now. Here's the here's the Riders. We don't have to you know worry about installs and 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 that sort of thing. So. You never know when they're going to come. And I remember last year, there was only one day uh, or one practice I can really remember where he really ripped on the team uh, for a bad practice. So it happens. I mean, I I like to tell this story. I think it was 2015, uh, the last practice before Labor Day. And it was a half an hour practice because he was so frustrated with the group. He said that's enough. I don't want to see you anymore. Go to the locker room. I've had enough. Go away. It was like when your dad scolds you when you're not doing things outside in the yard and he goes, I don't want to see you anymore. Go inside. And Mm -hmm. we all know how terrible that feels. So we'll see. I mean, I don't think he's overly worried. He just says it just happened today and you know, we'll, we'll have a meeting tomorrow and we'll, uh, we'll address it and, and then uh, have a good walk through. And of course it's fan day tomorrow too. So that'll be uh, another element that uh, will be interesting. And then they'll play the game on Sunday
0: all right you mentioned the flags at practice so uh, how uh, do they like are they bringing in actual referees or ex-referees and if so how often are they doing that
1: most every day you'll see bud steen who's uh, oh, right is the yeah he's the official's uh, supervisor for for edmonton and he will come almost every day to practice and they uh, about once, twice a week, they'll bring uh, some actual officials as well. But quite often, Bud will handle the, you know, the, the the penalties, and he he will be on field, and Chris Jones will come up to him and go, "Okay, can you explain this one to me, Bud?" And then he'll explain it. And then Chris Jones can explain it. So, uh, you know, this is something that 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 uh, Chris Jones did at this, you know, his first tenure. I believe Cavis Reed did something like this as well. Jason Moss did something like this, didn't work. And uh, you know, Chris Jones, uh, you know, he's doing it again. And uh, the thing with Bud Steen is he he will explain things very directly, but also very respectfully. And I think that's why Chris Jones likes to bring him down.
0: All right. Well, and and I was saying this in the first half hour. I I really think the Elks are going to be better, which, again, is a low bar. Um, But we know in the (laughs) CFL, uh, 500 gets you into the playoffs. Sometimes even 8 and 10 gets you into the playoffs. But that might be the difference for the Elks. They, they they have some playmakers. I know they're still coming along at some positions, but they got to avoid the self-inflicted wounds. And and look, I know the 2015 team was very special. They didn't shoot themselves in the foot that often. They they nope. they waited for the other team to do it. So, look the di- for this team, maybe the difference between seven wins and nine or ten might be like Jones was saying in the one clip. Don't go offside. Don't take a time count. Like, don't mm-hmm. turn second and seven and a second and 12. So, to me, of course, I'm going to watch for the plays they make, but can they avoid the, the self-inflicted wounds? That could really determine a big chunk of the season for me.
1: Yeah, and you want to know what the worst penalties are? And I know the 15-yarders, I mean, they're bad, but it's the, it's the pre-snap penalties. It's procedures, it's offsides, it's time count because that tells you, okay, Someone or a couple people are not mentally focused enough into the play. And that's a concern. And if you get a rash of that, then that's, that is that uh, is that is not good. And obviously, it can filter into the other parts of your game and you start taking 15-yard penalties, or you start taking 10-yard penalties. So uh, I think that's what concerns Chris Jones the most is, is what you're talking about is the self-inflicted wounds because let's face it, Reid, they had about... I don't know, at least six games last year where they could have won, and some of those games at home, and they found a way to let the game slip away, mm-hmm. and they would go on terrible runs where they would give up points real fast, and then they're in a deep hole, and then they would find a way to close the gap. And, I mean, the best example of them playing a close to a four-quarter game was the game August 13th last summer against the Riders. They had them for 55 minutes. They were really good, and the last five minutes they fell, they fall apart, and. The riders win. So, um, it's, it's, you know, in football, it's hard enough to play an opponent and then you play yourself and you, and you can't exercise the, the demons within yourself. Boy, you're really, you're really hurting yourself. So I agree with you. Um, that could be the difference between a, a six, seven win team versus a an eight, nine, ten win team.
0: All right. Um, We've talked a lot about Cornelius, the running backs, uh, the receiver. I, I, I think I've probably talked—well, not probably—I have talked more about the offense than the defense. Uh, give me a couple names on D that uh, could be important, or, or maybe some young young guys you're you're looking to see how they're going to perform in a in a regular season game.
1: Well, I, I am really curious to see how three first-year CFL players in their secondary will handle going up against trevor harris who is one of the uh you know you can say anything you want about trevor harris he you know maybe not good enough to to win the big one but he's still very good to to beat defenses uh if if he needs to uh Dwayne thompson darius bratton and kai gray are going to be three rookies in the secondary that are starting along with uh luchess purefoy who's the safety ed Ganey will be the uh will be the boundary corner That is a concern that Chris Jones has brought up because he says, you know, in practice they have at times against a veteran offense, veteran receivers, they have looked uh, at times like they have struggled. And with the riders, they have a new offensive coordinator in Kelly Jeffrey, who, by the way, um, if you go back and look under Scott Milanovic's uh, coaching staff when he was the coach who never played. And never coached a game as a member of the uh, Double E. Kelly Jeffrey was his quarterbacks coach, so he replaces Jason Moss, who goes to Montreal to be the uh, head coach and offensive coordinator. So, what is Kelly Jeffrey going to do offensively? But uh, you, you you know that he's going to look at Trevor Harrison and go, "Okay, what do you like and what's what's your best uh, what's your best attributes?" You can't tell me Trevor Harrison isn't going to see three rookies in in the secondary and go, "Hmm, let's go test these boys and see how good they are." I think the Elks' front four is good, especially on the inside. Their linebacker play, uh, I think, is strong. Uh, Niles Morgan has to stay healthy. I'll tell you who I, I love the most in, on the defense is Enoch McConzo, the second-year Sam linebacker, fourth overall pick in 2022 out of Coastal Carolina. He's had a tremendous camp and has continued on this week. He has made play after play after play. But for me, it's how will these three rookies hold up playing one of the most accurate quarterbacks in cfl history in trevor
0: harris what's going on tomorrow you guys are on the air we are on the air we're uh,
1: going to find a way to uh uh, hydrate well stay cool it'll (laughs) be very hot in the morning uh even though it'll be from nine to one for fan day morley and i will have a, a special uh live show from 11 to noon and uh fan days from nine to one their walk through uh, elks will walk through around 10 chance for you to get autographs get food bring the kids and uh there's going to be a lot happening down at commonwealth as we get ready for 2023 and look to uh exercise a 17 and end a 17 game home losing streak which i say will happen on sunday
0: Dave, thanks for hopping on. Enjoy fan day tomorrow, and then I will uh, see you at the stadium on Sunday, man. I'm really looking forward to it. Can't wait, buddy. Talk to you then. That is Dave Campbell checking in. He's the producer of this show. He's our color analyst for our Elks broadcast here on 630 Chet. Countdown to kickoff at three on Sunday. Game against the Riders. We'll start at five. Back in a couple of minutes. You're listening to 630 Ched Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins.
1: And a two-on-one radar.
0: There's Bob Cole with the call 30 years ago today. Paul DiPietro, the final goal of the series, making it 4-1 Montreal in the third. They would uh, win the game in the series 4-1 over the L.A. Kings. 780-496-0063. Kellen, give me one quick here. Shout out to Annette. Listening to the show tonight says, Reed, you're a marriage savior. Way to go. Love your show. That's from Annette. Oh, for the Wastewise app? There you go. Oh. Am I just a marriage savior in general? Yeah, maybe it's just maybe my it's just other? my show inspires so much love. <laughs> Perhaps it's my seductive voice. Yes. Now, why did you agree with that? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, well, thank you, Annette. I, I'm I'm uh, I'm quite flattered by that. Curtis Lazar. Now with the New Jersey Devils. Former Edmonton Oil King helped them win the Memorial Cup nine years ago. Always love chatting with him. He's coming up next on the show.